And what we have been doing is looking at different scriptures in the word of God that speaks to the heart. And we have been taking those and dissecting them and engaging in, in those scriptures. And so this morning we are at uh, a particular scripture that focuses on worship. And so the title of the sermon is Worship from the Heart. The key text is, is two texts. One is in John chapter 4 from 23 to 24. You know that one very well, the lady at the well. The other one that I'm going to read is from Matthew chapter 15 from verse 8 to 9. As usual, we stand for the reading of the word. So I'm going to ask you to just uh, please just stand with me for the reading of God's word. And after this, I promise you that you will sit down for the rest of the sermon and I will stand up for the rest of the sermon. You can't get a better deal than that. All right. So Matthew chapter 5, just mark it. Come on, just lift your Bibles up with me and declare that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just read for you quickly. Verse 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is a New Living Translation. It says, Their worship is a farce, for they teach Man-made ideas as commands from God. Let me read that for you again. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. All of us say thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Before we utter a word, before we hear a sound, we declare right now that all the glory and the honor and the praise belongs to you alone. You are the ancient of days. You are the one that is above all and before all. Lord, we pray your blessing upon the Kiwanis Club of St. Anne of the Garden Parish. We pray in the name of Jesus that as plants bloom in different seasons, that as the seasons come by, that they will produce uh, beauty in service to the citizens of this parish. We pray that you'll cause them to have lasting impact, not just socially, but spiritually, and the lives of the young people that they will interact with in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for divine wisdom. We think about even Solomon when he prayed. He said, God, give me not wealth or riches. He said, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that I may lead your people well. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding so that they will fulfill the mandate that you have given them 
And God, that they will lead your people you put under their care well in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you that of all the things that they could have done, they chose to be in the house of the Lord to give thanks this morning. And how awesome that is. Lord, we ask you this morning humbly to open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. We want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but doers also. So we pray your will be done and your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, many of you are here. You're very, you're not in the best mood this morning, and it probably impacted how you worship because you are so upset that Jamaica did not get gold medal and the world record was not broken. And how could they, with Elaine and Shellyanne and Sharika and Kemba, and they should not have put Kemba on the team, they should have put Brianna on it. And that is why we lost. And then the females are out there saying, I don't know what is happening to the men. Them don't have no use. Them just get worthless. Woman time now because all the medals won by Jamaica at the world championship is Oregon. They're all won by women. The man them worthless and all of that. Where are you when you saying Bolt and Asafa Powell was dominating things and, and Michael Freight and Nesta Carter? Where are you, ladies? Be, uh, uh, don't, don't bother. Listen, we had no medals set down over there. So anything we get. We take and we give God thanks. Amen. There was no medal set in stone for Jamaica. So give thanks. Small Jamaica, we have like six, seven medals. Clap your hands for the athletes. Amen. You come complaining about gold medal. Oh, boy, the USA could have dropped the button. Listen, listen, I listen to some Christians, right? And they're watching the race and they say, Jesus, let them drop it. Jesus, let them drop it. Like, like he must be in heaven, like saying, "What are you doing?" Huh? Like he said, "Jesus must be in heaven." Said, "Just stop it, just stop it." Hey, Jesus ain't gonna cause no button to drop. Understand me? You just go out there if you win. In your, in God's eye, we are all winners. Amen, amen. But it's good what is happening, and we are happy for all the athletes. Um, some have what is called good success, but the fact that they can compete there. Is very good because some of us we couldn't even make our class track team, much less the school track team, right? And they are in the Olympics, so careful now when you're about to criticize, right? You 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 fail at lime and spoon, that I call it. You you fail at the potato race. Yeah, that, that's your levels right there. So when you see World Championship and Olympics, you just keep quiet and clap your hand. Uh, hallelujah. Come on, clap your hand for the athlete. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. But how do we move into a higher level of worship in our personal lives and corporately as a church? And answering that question is more complex than you might think, but it is extremely important to find answers to the question, because worship is so important. Uh, the truth is that every moment you're worshiping someone or something. Because we are wired and created for the purpose of worship. Man can do nothing but worship. Like you're worshiping something or someone right now. Right? And people worship things and people. And we all have gods that we worship. 
And you may be thinking, well, no, I only have one God, and he's only the God of all creation. And But we're going to dive into that this morning, because one thing is true and sure, that men are always worshipping. You never stop worshipping. So the issue is not worshipping, is who we are worshipping, and the kind of worship that we are offering. Those are the questions that must be answered. But everyone wants to, when it comes on to the God of all creation, everyone wants to get to the highest or the deepest level of worship. If I were to ask this morning by a show of hand, how many would like to go to a higher level in worship? I suspect that we would have 100% uplifted hands this morning. In fact, as you observed during the songs, many of you may have looked around and said, well, that person is worshipping, that person is worshipping, that person is worshipping. Because we normally view a lot of external and outward things to estimate the level of a person's worship. But God in his word says, men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Alright? So it is right for men to look at outward things. It's just that outward things are not enough to determine the full extent of a person's life. The inner being is important. God knows the inside out and he knows the outside in. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to focus on that. So there are enormous benefits of entering into the depths of worship. But what does it take to get there? We will begin to address that question today. We will... Do that by identifying some key foundations of genuine worship. Genuine worship. Not just worship, but real, genuine, sincere worship. Because I've seen many well-meaning believers get into trouble by seeking quick, easy answers to the questions. The real thing is a costly thing. It is not cosmetic. It is not superficial. It speaks to the very core of who we are. So we will start with the statement that Jesus made to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She brought up the subject of worship, and her approach is typical. She wants to address the external issues, like us. When we come to church, here is how we begin to estimate worship. The song, the instrument, the singers, the attires, the hands lifted, the sounds made, the facial, I'm telling you, the facial expressions are the, are the major judge. Like, if you're like in church like this, you know, everybody will think like, they ain't worshiping. But if you're in church like this, hey, listen, you could be thinking about your girlfriend. And you're so happy thinking about her, but everybody say, hey, they're worshiping Jesus. That's what we do. Because, listen, I could be running around and jumping up and down to the song. But my heart is, is on uh, my rice and peas and chicken. You, you understand what I mean? So not because a person is vocal or loud or clapping and jumping and prancing and dancing means that they are worshipping. In the same way, you know, we always ascribe humility. Oh my God, look, they just come to church and they sit so nice and quiet. Oh my God. They are so humble. Listen, the most prideful people always want to sit by themselves because they want you to pay attention to them. 
So they ain't coming to check you out. They think they are so important. You need to come and check me out. That's not humility. That's pride. Because pride is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So when you come into the worship service, it's not really about you. Come on, tell a neighbor, say, it's not about you. No, maybe you need to ask him. Is it about you? So she brought up this subject to Jesus. Specifically, she wants to know who is right about where worship is to take place. Are the Samaritans right? She wanted to find out because they were at this place called Mount Gerizim. Um, it's a proper place for public worship. She was asking that. Understand that she and Jesus stood at the foot of that very mountain during this conversation. Conversely, the Jews took the position that Jerusalem is a place that God had designated for worship. And so from an Old Testament perspective, the Jews were right. However, Jesus on this occasion took the conversation deeper. Because the real issue with worship is not an external issue. The real issue is the heart condition. If you're singing the right song and your heart is in the wrong place, you have missed the point of worship. Amen? No matter how good the song sounds. Have you ever heard a song? Your mind is here, your body is here with me, but your mind is on the other side of town. Right, right. If your heart is not there, something is wrong with the worship. So in John 4, 23, Jesus gives perhaps the most essential principle of worship. He said to this woman who was asking these questions, she wanted to get worship right. But the hour is coming, Jesus said, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, you know, spirit and heart are interchangeable in scriptures. So many times when the scripture says heart, it speaks to the spirit. When it says spirit, it speaks to the heart. God is spirit. If you are going to worship God, you have to be in the spirit. And that spirit is the spirit of God. Now, we know that technically, you can't get into the spirit, the spirit have to get into you. Amen? Alright, because you, listen, you can't get into the spirit. The spirit gets into you and the spirit takes over. So God is saying, if you want to worship me, the spirit of God must be in you because it takes the spirit of God in you to worship the spirit that God is. Without the spirit of God in you, you can't worship the spirit that God is. So, Pastor, are you crazy? So, so true men are Christian, we can't worship God. You can't worship God. That's not, and that's not me. Like, like re, what? Oh, you, you can't. Listen. No, no, okay. Now is a good time if you disagree to leave because it's going to get harder. Because here's the thing. If you don't have the spirit of God... You can't worship the spirit that God is. Alright? Because if you don't get this one right, all the other conversations about worship will not matter much. Because worship springs from the heart. 
No matter how good the keyboard player plays, it doesn't matter. I've seen excellent keyboard players who could make house, um, uh, uh, amazing grace sound better than a keyboard player in church. I'm telling you, I know some guys who play secular music. If they were to come in here and take the instrument and begin to play Amazing Grace, you'd fall and you'd cry because the music sounds so sweet. But I can tell you this, as good as they play the music, if the Spirit of God is not in them, they are not worshipping, they are just playing music. Because not everybody who does music worships God. Amen? Listen, do you know, I really think Michael Jackson was a good, good singer. But is he a worshiper of God? Different argument. Because singing good don't make you a good worshiper of God. Must be in the spirit. So worship springs from the heart. Worship must happen between an individual spirit and the spirit of God. Otherwise, it, is, it just becomes an empty form. A form of godliness without the power of the Holy Spirit in it. As Corinthians says, sounding brass and clanging cymbal. So God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The Amplified Bible uses the word reality. And this is perhaps the most profound essential statement that could be made about worship. It's not just a matter of doing it in the right location. Or having all the right method. First and foremost, if you skip this, you will go astray. Worship must flow out of a heart of worship. If your heart is not right, your worship will be wrong. Your heart must be right with God. And your heart must have the right spirit, the spirit of God. Or else there is no worship. There is none. The religious leaders of Jesus, they had gone to great lengths to orchestrate worship at the temple. Hundreds of people attended their service. Yet Jesus, quoting Isaiah, said to them. So Jesus turns up at church and all the Jews, they had gone, they had get the best um, players of the harp and instrument, all the instrument. They had singers that they were reestablishing in what, what was Old Testament practice in the New Testament church among the Jews? Because remember, in the New Testament, you had the Jews and you also had the Gentiles. That is why Paul and Peter had this argument, this dispute, because one was practicing a lot of the things that the Jews did in the Old Testament. And Paul kind of came on and said, Listen, man, listen, Peter, you don't eat pork. You stay over there so with the people that don't eat pork. Me eat pork, me talk to the pork eating people. You understand me? Either way, the kingdom of God is going to get expanded. Yes, I mean. So watch this now. So they are trying to do that. Jesus walks up and he says to them in church, they say, hey, 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 good morning. Church and Rakori, how are you doing? Listen, listen, hey, come, let me talk to you. Miss Bishop, let me tell you something. These people are worshiping me with their lips. They draw close to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips. But, but Miss Bishop, their hearts are far off. They are far from me. In fact, in vain they worship me. Like if a pastor walks into a church now in Jamaica and says, Hey, listen, your heart's far from God. In, in, in vain you worship me. Hey, hey, how would the pastor throw a word pun? We, we couldn't deal with Jesus in church. We couldn't deal with John the Baptist. Brother Vipers, who warn you to flee from the coming wrath? Don't even come here. Go and fix up your life and come back around here. Come talk to me. 
if, if that was happening in our churches today, church would be empty. Our churches today say, come, we love you. God loves you. It's okay. It's okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you. But, but I'm, a, I'm a thief. Hey, don't worry about it. Keys, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Jesus walks in and he sees them. And he sees them gambling and stuff. He kicks over everything in the church. He said, get out of here with your gambling and your selling and buying stuff and stuff like that. Hey, Jesus was radical. When I grew up, I wanted to be a pastor like Jesus. <laughs> but, but he says, in vain they worship me. Meaning, what they are doing, it's empty, it's useless. They are doing the right moves. They are, not, they are doing the right things physically. But I, God, I'm looking on the heart. And in reality, worship is not happening. So the crucial mistake we must avoid is measuring on externals and missing the fundamental issue of all. What is the heart condition? Are the people honoring God from the heart? Or are they just mouthing the right words? I raise a hallelujah means nothing if your heart isn't right. And that's why I want to begin with the foundations of worship that go on in the heart. This will not be exhaustive. It's just two points. So there are many more you could find in scripture. But the two foundations are key. All right. The message is about to begin. And we have time is up. So if you give me five more, five more. I just need five more days and we should be out there. All right, number one, I'm just kidding. We'll be out there here soon. First point, in the in notes, worship flows out of revelation of who God is. If you're really going to worship, you have to know who you're, who you're, going, who you're worshiping. If you go to the scripture in verse 22, Jesus said to the lady, you worship what you do not know. And that was the problem. Tell your neighbor, you have to worship who you know. Listen, if you don't know God, you're going to have a problem worshiping God. That's just the truth. The fundamental problem in our worship is not an external thing like location. The problem is that we don't know God for who he is. If you struggle with who God is, you're going to struggle with worshiping God. Have you ever been invited somewhere like a birthday party and they ask you to speak or give a toast and you don't know the person? It is so uncomfortable. And it is your time to toast and you are just invited. You're not really familiar. Is your friend invited you? And he said, come on, everybody give a toast, give a toast. And I said, well, I really don't know you, but, you know, based on what everybody else is saying, I think you're a very good person. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. The person who has a relationship with that individual walks up and says, Hey, you know, this is my brethren and it's a long time we know each other. And, and they speak about the bad things and the good things. In other words, they are able to give appropriate adoration and praise because they have a relationship with the person. Because they know the person, they are able to better express 
express gratitude and thankfulness and praise and adoration to the person. It's like a parent and their child. If the parent is going to speak about the child, that is why people ask family members to do the remembrance and eulogy at funerals. Why? Because they believe that those persons know them the best and is best able to represent them. Listen, if you don't know God, it's going to be hard for you to represent him in your worship. It's revelation. So a person does not, a person who does not know God at all is not going to be able to worship in spirit and in truth. Because you can't worship what you don't know. So do you know God? If you know God, put your hand up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I suspect that every hand would go up. Because we all believe we know God. So that's not the big question. The big question is, how much do you know God? Because if I ask you, if you know Andrew Holness, put your, no, if you, how many of you know Joe Biden? How many of you know Donald Trump? Come on, put up your hand. Come on, no, don't play with me. How many of you know Donald Trump? You know, you know him, you, you know him. You've you seen him, yeah. If you saw him now, you know him. You, you say, hey, that's president, former president, don't it? You'd say, hey, that's former President Obama. You can tell their complexion. You can tell how they act sometimes. You can do those things. But really deep down, you know you don't know them. You know about them and you know of them. I think what happened is that a lot of us believe we know God, but we know about God and we know of God. And that's limited in your revelation to worship God appropriately. You see, Melania Trump is better able to speak about Donald Trump than you. Though you have seen him in the spotlight. You see, I can't speak much about Andrew Holness because though I've seen him on television and know that he's the Prime Minister of Jamaica, I don't really know him. But I know him. But I just don't know him that way that I could lift up his name and praise and elevate. I don't know him that way. In other words, we may know of God, but we don't know God enough to worship him in the way that we ought to. So you have to get to know him if you really want to worship him. Because we are all limited in our worship by our revelation of God. If your revelation is limited, then your worship is limited. Because we can only appreciate him for what we know of him. So I tell people, listen, you don't need to tell me that God is good. I worship him because he's good. Not because of the song. I don't need the song to do that. I do that because I've had an experience where I've come to know God as being good. I've come to know God as being my provider. I've come to know God as my healer. And therefore, I worship him for who he is before I talk about what he has done. It's who he is. And that is constant. It never changes. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today and forevermore. I want you to know that you could be very close to the person and don't know them. Listen, right now we live in gated communities. And here's what happens. Some of us don't even know our neighbors because we have these things. We have these remotes that we press to open our gates. And remote we press to open our garage. Remote we press to start our car. So when we get home, the gate opens. When we get home, 
home, the garage open, the car goes in, the garage come down, we go in the house, we go to bed, we wake up in the morning, we go in the car, we open the garage, we go to the gate, we go to work, we come back home, we go, to, and, and the same thing happened. And then all of a sudden the police come and they're they ready next door. And they say, I didn't even know that, 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 what happened over there? These are your neighbors. It means that you can be in the same location and not know the person. You, you could be beside Jesus and not know him. You could be seeing him, but you don't know him. You could be hearing him, but you don't know him. I think that is what is affecting worship in the church today. You see, because we can only adore his attributes to the extent we spiritually perceive those attitudes. So have you been a partaker of his grace? Then you can praise him for the grace you have experienced. If you are a partaker of his goodness, worship him for the goodness you have experienced. Because head knowledge may be good at the beginning. So yes, I know him. I've read the Bible. But worship from the heart comes out of experience. Experience. So my thing is this, if you haven't experienced God, or if you're not experiencing God, your revelation of God is limited. Every song that, almost every song that is written, I want to get this with my church, every song that is written, is written by someone who went through an experience. So we sang a song this morning called, I Raise a Hallelujah. And when the writer read a story, his family was going through some problems. And he said, in the moment, the only thing he could do is lift a hallelujah to God. He says, I'm going to sing. He was going through what he called a storm. He said, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. He was writing out of a revelation from an experience that he had. So that song will always mean something more to him than it means to us. The thing is that we're singing songs from people's past revelation. And past experiences. A lot of what we do, the people have passed through it already. What we need, and that's why the psalmist says, sing unto the Lord a new song. You're going to see that because when you begin to experience God, you begin to make your own songs and melodies unto him. Because this is my personal experience of who my God is. That's what happened with David. David was worshipping God out of his experience with God. Let me give you a couple of examples quickly. Psalm 28 from 6 to 7. David says, Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. Verse 7, listen to this key. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Here's what he says. Therefore, when you say therefore, you ask what it is therefore. So therefore, he says, my heart gladly rejoices and with my song, I will praise him. So he has discovered God as his strength and shield in a tight place. He called on the Lord. He trusted the Lord from the depths of his heart. God answered his prayer. God delivered him and in the process revealed himself as David's strength and shield. Now David can worship God as his strength and shield. He says, therefore, because I've come to know God as my strength and my shield, therefore my heart rejoices. So based on his revelation of God, the joy of God is in his heart. And what happened? He says, I and with my song, I will praise him. So David is saying, listen man, I, I, I know what I have been through. 
And what I was going through, I have proven that God is my strength. So David immediately turned that experience into a worship moment. He begins to sing unto the Lord. You are my strength. You are my shield. You are my butler. All of those things that David penned, he penned them out of personal experiences. And it led to moments of worship. You have to know God so you can really worship God. It wasn't that everybody got the music right. It wasn't that the mood of the service was just right. It was something that was happening in David as a result of his walk with God. That simply had to come out in praise. When you're at this place and it's God, it don't matter how the music sounds. Tell people I can worship with hymns. Or I can, I can worship with contemporary or modern. And, co- and contemporary, right? Uh, listen, 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 listen. Modern and contemporary, same thing, right? Yeah. I can, I can worship with hymns. Or I can worship with a modern song. Or traditional. Watch this. Listen. No music, I can worship. Listen, I, I tell him, listen. I can do without keyboards and drums. This is not for me. This is for the person playing it. Because if you're playing it for me, you're missing the point of playing the keyboard. If you're playing the drum so that I can worship God, you're missing the point of the drum. The purpose of you sitting around the instrument is so that you can worship God out of your experience. Because with or without that instrument, I will sing my song unto the Lord. Because my worship comes out of my revelation and my experiences with God. Right? David, in Psalm 86, 12 and 13 says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy towards me, and you delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. He knows God is merciful because he has experienced that mercy personally. He knows God as deliverer because he has experienced deliverance himself. So revelation of God comes out of experience with God. Revelation of God comes out of experience with God. You're worshipping now out of your last revelation. You can't worship beyond your last revelation of God. The only level you can worship at is the level you know God at. So if you want to lift the level of worship, you have to lift the level of your revelation. It means that you need new experiences. Listen, I need, because if my, if my revelation remains, then my worship will be the same. Though there are times when you may get revelation in, in worship like Isaiah got, um, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up after the death of King Uzziah in Isaiah 6. Same thing happened with Zacharias. The father of John the Baptist as he was worshipping in the temple in Luke 1. When the heavens open during worship, we may very well get additional revelation of God at that time. But we all enter into worship based on our understanding of God at that time. So your, your level of worship is tied to your revelation of the God you worship. Because the higher your view of God, the richer your worship experience will be. Let me say that to you again. The higher your view of God, the richer your worship experience will be. So the fear of the Lord then 
is the real beginning of wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when people have no fear of God, they cannot be worshippers of God. You have to fear God to worship God. David talks about the wicked in Psalm 36. He says, there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes. You see, the wicked man has a big opinion of himself and a little opinion of God. He thinks that he is God. He's, he, he is self-worshipping and cannot be a true worshipper of God. You see, the man like that, he says, listen, I will seek things first and add God afterwards. But God says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You see, the real worshipper understands that God is first. And when you recognize God as first and priority, you worship him. And if you can't see God as that, if God has not revealed himself to you as first, and you have not experienced that, you'll never be able to give true worship to God because you'll put other things before him. The level of God, the reverence in your heart is a function of your knowledge of God. The more you know God is, the more you reverentially fear God. It is a function of your willingness to humble yourself and open your heart to him. Because the greater our esteem towards this infinite creator, redeemer, the more equipped we are to worship from the heart. And so this is why Jesus taught us to approach the Father with, Hallowed be your name. He said that you must have this awe and reverence for my name. That when you hear it, you have no choice but to worship. It means you have to understand him as separate. As above all creation. Approaching him with a high regard. And respect for who he is. I don't know if you noticed. But the Jews didn't even want to mention the name Jehovah. Out of an intense reverence for God. It reminds me. As a child. They used to have this thing. They knew the coconut, the dry coconut, they would cut it and they would make some brush. And at that time, you had polish and wooden floors in Jamaica, if you're not from Jamaica. And what would happen is that on, on like Sunday mornings or Saturday evening, my mother would polish the floor and then she would shine it with that brush. I mean, and you could see yourself through it. I'm telling you, it was, it was glass board. You, you know what I'm talking about. You, 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 yeah, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm not alone on this, right? Here's the thing. When that happened, you either stay in the bed or you go out the back. You ain't walking through that veranda, passing through that living room. You, it's, it's, uh, you, listen, you, yeah, you can't touch that until like Wednesday. When the shrine is gone. Listen, it's like this, this, this floor is, there's a holy reverence <laughs> on this shine right now. Don't, don't even, listen, Sunday morning, nobody come to your yard in Jamaica at that time because floor just clean. You have to wait until after dinner when it's a little messy, you can visit. But in the morning, the house is too clean for you to be there. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, there was something about that floor that, that as a child, I dread messing up my mother's floor. Because I know the rod of correction would be brought to the fore. It's the same thing. Like we ought to have this fear for God. So much that we fear his name. Like, like there's something about the name Jesus. There's power in the name. And if when you're here, when you begin to shout the name, there's not a reverential awe that fills your heart. It means 
the name of God has not yet been revealed to you. When you really understand the names of God, he's Jehovah Sidkenu, he's Jehovah Makadesh, he's Jehovah Roy, he's Jehovah Rapha, he's Je- El Shaddai, he's the Lord God, all of these. When you begin to experience those names for yourself, you realize, oh, there's something about this name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. You know why? Because I've experienced the name healer. I have experienced the name the good shepherd. I've experienced the name I've experienced him as my sanctifier. I'm not just calling the name. The name means something to me. It has done something for me. It changes stuff. Something happens when that happens. See, if we try to generate a worship experience that does not flow out of sincere reverence for God, who God is, it will be contrived until it become weird. So the person who does not live in the fear of the Lord all week long is a hypocrite and a contradiction if he or she is finging that respect on Sunday morning. So I want to ask you a question. What is so special about Sunday that you dress up so nice to praise God and you can't do it on Monday? It, it, listen, I feel like the church think like, okay, Sunday is devil beat, beat up there. I'm going to church, I'm going to dress up real nice to beat the devil, but I'm going to take a break on Monday because huh, obviously if I beat up the devil on Monday, he must be bruised up so he's going to be rest and, resting and waiting for the fight again until Sunday. Because I'm wondering why we don't have the same attitude of worship on Monday morning. Why we don't have it on Tuesday? What what is different with Wednesday why you don't have the same approach to worship as on a Sunday? Have you ever thought about it? Why am I not the same way on Thursday? Why is this a Sunday morning thing? Who made it a Sunday morning thing? Is it that God is to be worshipped this way on Sunday? But other days he gets it a different way. Because the day is not as special. Whether the day is special or not. God is who he is. And he doesn't change. The day may change. But God is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. It means that the worship I give him on Sunday must get better on Monday, not worse. Amen. Amen. So, so if, if, if all week you have no fear of God, you're partying and watching world championships and working, working, working and just doing life. And then on Sunday, you dress up in jacket and tie. Hallelujah, Jesus God. Oh Lord, I fear you, Lord. Like, like, hello? Like, imagine, imagine with me that Monday I don't communicate with my wife, and Tuesday I don't communicate with her, and Wednesday I don't communicate with her, and Thursday I don't communicate. No affection, just, hey, babe, what, what's up? Hey, uh, Mrs. Tennant, good morning. <laughs> but on Sunday, hey, Mrs. Tennant, you know, it's, it's Sunday, it's lovemaking evening, hello. 
<laughs> you know what? Let me put on um, my three-piece suit. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, I'm going to prepare you some um, nice ju- I'm going to go to Devon House and buy you some pistachio ice cream with a nice cherry on top. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to get some non-alcoholic red tail in those fancy glass that you like. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. I'm going to order some Chinese food cooked by Jamaicans for you, baby. Understand how that looks. It is very hypocritical. Because all week I ignored her. So what happens is that she realized that all the things that I'm doing on this Sunday is to get what I want. Not in appreciation of her. That's what we do with God. For the duration of the week we do what we want to do. But on Sunday we prepare for a special date. Hallelujah. He must, I mean, I must put on my bed. Listen, I need to do my hair. I need, I need to do this. I need to wear my bed. All of that. And he's saying that, no, if you really feared me, the same attitude you have on Sunday, you'll have it on Monday. And on Tuesday. And on Wednesday. A great performance and genuine worship are two very different things. You understand me? Uh, as we close, worship flows out of gratitude for God's goodness. If you're, if, you're, if you're ungrateful, you can't, you can't worship God. You can't be a worshiper. You have, to be, you have to be grateful. You have to be thankful. Tell the person beside you, please be thankful. I want to, te- I want to enc- say in everything. Come on, just say, say, in, just say to them, in everything. Give thanks. I didn't say you ought to give thanks for everything. But in everything, you can give thanks. I'm not giving thanks for the pain, but I can give thanks in the pain. David said this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I love this scripture because he doesn't say, God is good, so give him thanks. David starts out by saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is His mercies endure forever. Is God good? So what are we supposed to do? Give thanks. Listen, regardless of what tomorrow looks like, God is good, so give thanks. Regardless of what Tuesday looks like, God is good, so give thanks. God is good, so I am going to give thanks because I am grateful, not because of what he's doing now, but for what he has done. Listen, I don't understand how we have gotten so ungrateful in our society. People get a job and they pray to God and they complain about the salary. They grumble about the salary. People say, God, I want to get married and they get married and they complain about the spouse. They say, God, Lord, God, when am I going to have kids? Oh, God, the biological clock is ticking. And they have kids and say, God, why are you going to give me so much crosses? Listen, listen. They pray and ask God for a house. And God blesses them. And they complain about the mortgage. They pray and get a car. And they complain about gas. Have you ever stopped to think that what you are complaining about is insignificant in comparison to what God has done? 
If you don't learn to be thankful, you will not be able to worship God. Because worship is birth out of genuine appreciation for the goodness of God in our lives. Like Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas had a, a prison experience in Acts 16. They had been beaten severely and thrown into a dirty prison. Circumstances are not good. The beating they receive still hurt. But both men from the heart were convinced of the goodness of God. And they started singing and praising God. Others were hearing their worship. And God moved powerfully in their behalf. You can be in prison and still worship. You can be beaten and still worship and give thanks to God. Because even in bad circumstances, who God is remains the same. He is still a good God. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. You have clothes. Be grateful. You have food. Be grateful. People grumble. Like, like you think about the Israelites. Oh my God. I mean, they were brought out of Egypt. Out of slavery. Right? Right? Listen, this, the Red Sea parted. They walked on dry land. They got manna from heaven. I mean, fresh bread. They got quail. Oh my God, like that steam fish, raw fish, baked fish, all in one. Curry goat and mutton, everything mixed up. Well, same thing, curry goat mutton, right? <laughs> but, but just everything, just, just, just everything they got in one meal. They said they wanted water. They t- bitter water turned sweet. And they saw that, and you know what the people said? God, I joked in this, God, 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 I go on with man. Better we go back down to Egypt. Can you imagine? I, when I read that sometimes, I used, to, I used to say, what a wicked set of people. I'm telling you, and then I realized that we are no different. We, today, we are, we are even worse. Listen, these people had one shoe for 40 years. We have shoes that get dry rotten year after year and complain that so we don't have any. Can you imagine they had one set of clothes and God kept them? And if you tell somebody you only need one pants right now, they rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Our desire for more makes us very ungrateful for the little, with the little that we have. See, what I want us to see here is that there. Settled revelation of the goodness of God. It was not like the morning dew. There in the easy times but gone in the hard times. They worship God in spirit and truth because they were absolutely convinced of God's goodness. So when a person lives a life of gratitude and praise, it doesn't take very long to get them in the spirit during a worship service. Why? Because they came in that condition. They don't have to be cuddled. They don't have to be pumped up to get their spirit, get in the spirit. They are in the spirit even if they were beaten and imprisoned that week. So unlike the children of Israel, Paul and Silas, they were not con- they were con- Paul and Silas they were convinced of the goodness of God. Unlike the children of Israel who were not. Though they had seen all of these miracles, the goodness of God all around them. Every little bump in the road was an occasion for them to grumble and complain. They were unhappy with God. They were unhappy with the journey he had them on. They were unthankful and they were not worshipful. Because church, thankfulness lays the foundation for genuine worship. 
It's hard to grumble all week. Then do a 180 turn around a church and expect to have a great worship experience. Listen, my kids are so thankful, right? Life has reversed for me. I'm, I'm living in reverse. Because growing up, my grandfather would be sitting. The fridge is right here and he's sitting right here. And he wants a cup of water. And the cup is right here and the fridge is right here. And I'm outside. And he calls me. And I say, Grandpa, what? He says, um, open the fridge for me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pouring a little water for me. I'm thinking like, I say, yes, Grandpa. <laughs> but in my heart, you know, you know, I was grumbling. Here's how it has reversed for me now. Listen, my kids are sitting down watching TV. And my kids are calling me. To come and get them water. <laughs> I'm like, is that a new generation? I'm telling you, these kids are like, wherever you are, mommy, what? Can I get some water, please? I'm thinking like, hello, like, like my generation, that's not, that's not how it works. That, no, no, but here's the thing. When I get that water, they say, thank you, daddy. And, and they said, Daddy, 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 I appreciate you. Every look at thing, they are so happy. They, oh, yes, thanks, thanks, thanks. And because of that, it makes me want to do more for them. So when you're unthankful, you're limited. You can't be grumbling all week and expect things to change or turn around. Right? It's a command in everything. Be anxious for nothing. The Bible teaches us. Because our perception of life events depends significantly on how we view God and his involvement in our lives. The more we know him, the more we believe his promises. The more we worship, our worship becomes a natural response to him. Are you thankful? In everything, give thanks. When you wake up in the morning, you give thanks. Have you developed a habit of being thankful? If you have, you won't have much trouble entering into worship. You're going to struggle when you come to church if you're unthankful. Because by the time the people are to get you to worship, church is finished. You have to come with an attitude of gratitude for the goodness of God. You, you have to come with that. You have to come having, having a revelation of God. So God wants us to know him so we can worship him. He wants us to be grateful and show gratitude because that lays the foundation for our worship. So the two are obviously related because a deep understanding of who God is, is will engender gratitude in our lives. How can we enter into deeper worship? It's simple. Spend time in the word and that will open the opportunity for us to know God better. And the practice of thanksgiving points us in the right direction for worship. So practice thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Get to know God because you can't worship who you don't know. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you this morning. I want us to pray. I just want us to spend every single one of us because a lot of us need to repent because our attitude towards worship, it has been wrong. How, how so, Pastor? And this includes me. Because, man, if there's one thing I'll say is that when I look at my life sometimes, I wonder, how 
do I love to complain so much and grumble about things? Can you imagine? I've experienced God as healer. I remember before I did the surgery on my eye when I was younger in my teenage years. The, the, the same thing that was given the issue, it was almost like it was coming across my right eye. And I remember um, one of the leaders at the church put her hand on my eye and she prayed. And I don't know what happened, but the thing moved away. Years later, I had to remove it because it was now in the inside, but it was affecting my vision. And I had to do surgery a couple years ago. All right? Here's the thing. Having experienced that, how then do I complain when I see sickness around me? Having seen God, when my mother was ill, she was going to die not knowing Jesus Christ. And God would have it. When the doctor says, five days, you guys need to come back and begin to plan the funeral. She survived that. She got baptized, started going to church before she passed. And then I had my 16-year-old sister. She went to champs. On the Monday, the first day of champs, the first race, she kneels down to do the 400 meter, feels a headache, and she gets up. She did four brain surgery after that, and she died at 17. And I remember when she was like close, and she would come to church in her wheelchair, and she got baptized. The church knows this. I kid you not. She got baptized, and she said, listen, stop worrying about me. 17-year-old. She wrote it in her diary. She said, listen, I am all right. And then I think to myself, then how could I be complaining when I have a tummy ache? What's the sense? I have to learn in everything to give God thanks. Does it hurt? Is it painful? Yes. But that doesn't stop my thanksgiving. I don't need to have it all. I just need to have Jesus. I, there's a myriad of things that I could be complaining about right now. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need new clothes. I need a cruise around the world. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll do with some uh, KFC. I'll do with some burger. Uh, listen, uh, Chick-fil-A. I want a Chick-fil-A. Listen, why they don't get a Chick-fil-A to come? Jamie, come on. Come on, like, like the things, I mean, and I'm thinking, listen, whether you eat chicken or not, it don't affect your status in heaven or hell. You could be a good chicken eater and go to hell. Or a bad chicken eater and go to heaven. And we complain about these things and grumble and destroy and affect our relationship with God. So you have that. Then some of us, we are in close proximity to God, but do we really know him? We hear his voice, but do we really know him? We probably have seen him before, but do we really know him? Could he be that neighbor that when he moves, you are so surprised? Oh my God. Because you haven't become familiar with him. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, just want you to spend a minute or two, just say, God, forgive me for um, I have complained, I have grumbled. I've murmured. The word murmur in the original context, it means to remain. And I always say this. Every time you murmur about something, 
you're really speaking over your life to say, I want to stay here. 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 So stop murmuring if you want to move. Forgive us, Lord. We haven't taken time to get to know you for who you are. To know you as healer. To know you as peace. To know you as love. To know you as grace. To know you as mercy. Forgive us, Lord. Yes, we have seen. Yes, we have heard. But we need to know you more. We need to know you more so we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Forgive us, Lord God, for we have been complaining and grumbling instead of giving thanks. Like David, we say this morning, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. You're good all the time and all the time you are good. You're the same yesterday, today and forevermore, oh God. You're still healer. You're still provider. You're still friend, father and savior. And we know that for sure. In the prison moments, you're good. In the pit, you're good. In the hills, you're good. And in the valleys, you're good. In the dry times, you're good. And when it's overflowing with the abundance of rain, you are good. So we refuse to complain. Today we choose an attitude of thankfulness. For all your goodness. Hallelujah. Come on, just stand to your feet with me this morning and just for the next 30 seconds just lift your hands and just begin like David says I will sing my song I will praise him with my song just just in your own words and in your own song just begin to worship God hallelujah you don't need worshipers you just need to do your own song the person's song that you're singing they had an experience and so they wrote that song so you would sing it why not now just sing your own song out of your own experience with God? Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for being a healer. Oh, how you have healed and delivered me. Good God, you have kept me. Forever you lead me in a way everlasting. You are my good shepherd and I shall not want. Oh, I thank you. Come on, just lift your hands and Hallelujah. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Come on, just lift your hands and say that's the Lord. This morning I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Hallelujah. It's all about you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. 
And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Listen, let me just say this to you. You can't worship who you don't know. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you would like to get to know him so you can worship him, at the end of the service, I'm going to be standing right here. If you walk up to this altar, I will pray with you and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. I want to also thank you for coming and being here this morning. It's not by accident that you're here. There's a divine heavenly mandate on your life. God brought you here by purpose and he intentionally planned it. And if you will hear his voice, you'll see the shifting in your heart. There is a way that he wants you to walk in. Walk in it and see the peace of the sovereign God who is above all and before all. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We have worship service 6.30 tonight. Just time of worship and music. You can come out, be a part of that. And we have the shirts on the outside.